0: If it's social, then you really could be it. You can't have what people say, it's so serious. Because you're social, you're a leader, and you're serious. Now, Carrie Kirpin. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of All the Social Ladies. I'm Carrie Kirpin, CEO of Likeable Media, and today I get to talk to Melissa Ryan. Melissa Ryan directs the DC strategy team at Trilogy Interactive, which is a strategy design and technology firm for political campaigns, nonprofits, and labor unions. You're going to hear her story and how she kind of fell into this career through her use of the internet and was able to impact political campaigns across the country. She is is incredible take a listen welcome Melissa to the show hi Carrie thanks for having me oh I'm so excited to have you and I, just reading your background I was just floored and um just so impressed with the stories of how you've been able to really activate digital in the political world. And so I'd love for you to get our listeners acquainted with your story from the very start. Tell me like when you were just starting out to where you are today, the story of your career.
1: Sure. Uh, Well, my career exists because of the internet, essentially. Uh, I got into politics through no family or friend connections, I got into politics through the internet. Uh, there were uh, blogs were in 2004 just becoming a huge thing and exploding all over the world, um, and particularly political and activist blogs. And I had just moved to the state of Connecticut, an area where I didn't know local politics at all. And uh, the way that I started learning about local politics was through these blogs that were talking about uh, Connecticut politics that came up. So I started reading, and then I started commenting. Uh, Before long, I wanted to take a more active role. So as I became a political volunteer for the Democratic Party in my state, I also started, became a contributor and started writing for, for political blogs. And I'm learning about politics and, and growing my readership as I'm going along. And then this very curious thing happens uh, in uh, what should have been a safe Democratic Senate seat for uh, Joe Lieberman's re-election. Uh, because of his support for the Iraq war, he was primaried uh, by a political newcomer. And suddenly I'm, I'm writing about the race, I'm, I'm volunteering for his opponent, Ned Lamont, and by virtue of being someone who has written a good body of work about politics in the state, uh, I am catapulted to being an expert on politics. Wow! So, uh, <laughs> my my writing goes from uh, getting a hundred readers a week to thousands of readers, and wow. uh, I talk to NPR and the BBC and get all my work gets all this exposure, and and the national political blogs start linking to me, and I um, eventually start writing for uh, a political blog called MyDD, which was huge at that point. And on that campaign, uh, uh, Ned Lamont had, uh, I believe the job was called an internet director and uh, Tim Tagaris and his job, I didn't know it existed on campaigns, you know, probably two years before it didn't exist, but his job was to do everything on the internet. Uh, It was do, you know, writing fundraising emails and and doing, working with the bloggers and doing things on, on social media. I'm, I'm guessing, uh, I think Lamont had a MySpace page at, the time, page at the time. This would be before Twitter or Facebook. And I was just so fascinated that this was someone's job. And I decided that I was going to do everything I could to make it my job. <laughs> and I used all these newfound connections, and I spent the next uh, six months you know, in Connecticut, but going down to D.C. once a month, anyone who would have coffee with me, just trying to get someone to hire me. Um, and I ended up uh, working at a, at a political action committee, Act Blue, for a little while. And they're the um, online conduit for Democratic fundraising. And then uh, from there, I moved on. I, I moved out to uh, Wisconsin to work for uh, Senator Russ Feingold and run his online program uh, in 2008 through his reelection campaign. So all of a sudden, there I am, you know, I have a, a, a career in politics. And, and what's interesting is what the field was so new, it was so emerging. And I'd right. go to these job interviews, and people would literally be like, so the internet is a thing. We need someone to do it. Do you think that's you? And that would be the interview. You know, you'd be, you'd be talking to people. Because who they had you,
0: no idea. They would have, right. been, I'm sure, totally removed from it and not understand the power of what it could do. It was too right. new.
1: Right. Are you, are you raising money? Are you running the, you know, candidate's Facebook page? And it was a way, I think, in other, if you want to get into communication or fundraising or being a campaign manager, there was a clear track. There was a clear path that you took. You got an internship and then maybe you were a field organizer on a campaign and you would work your way up. Uh, but with the internet, there was really no track. There was no ladder. So you got to invent your job as you, as you went along and figure out how you got buy-in as you went along. Um, so that was uh, my start, was being sort of a, at the beginning of that, of this digital staffing world. I worked for Senator Feingold for three years, and then I uh, became obsessed with the idea of helping build infrastructure. Yeah. So I moved because, again, uh, it's an emerging field, there are more jobs than there are people, and but hiring managers still don't know quite what these people are supposed to do. Um, so I went to work for a nonprofit uh, called the New Organizing Institute, uh, which was devoted to uh, helping train organizers in uh, digital work and data work and placing them on campaigns and advocacy work. I helped... Uh, I'd like to think develop best practices in the field, helped uh, the general progressive movement figure out what these folks were supposed to do and help folks who wanted to do this work get trained, get jobs and you know, make, an, make an impact to, to move the needle in the progressive space. So you helped to make it less of the
0: wild, wild west if you think about it, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, there was a, it was a whole group of us who all came up together and it was, it's certainly a collaborative effort, but I'm particularly proud of, of
0: my role in that, yeah. That's incredible. Okay, and so from there?
1: Uh, from there, I uh, went to, in the final months of the re-election re- campaign of President Obama, and uh, did progressive outreach, which was sort of like coming home. It was my job to talk to, to bloggers and online influencers and progressive journalists all day and, and help them, uh, help work with them to get the message out. Um, and it was in the communications department, but it's very different than talking to reporters where you're trying to get them to write your story because you're, you're working with people who are on board or they're on, on the left and you're trying to you know, collaborate them to, to find ways to, to get the message out or to attack the opponent.
0: Obviously, the Internet and digital media impact. Uh, campaigns in a variety of ways, but there are some politicians that are doing some really creative things and different things that can help move the needle. Talk to me about some of the more interesting things that you've worked on uh, that you've seen really have have a great effect.
1: I mean, on the Obama campaign was particularly great because you have a lot of folks that aren't necessarily they're They are Democrats and they're on the left, but they're not necessarily huge supporters of the president in that moment. Right. Um, So you're not going to get them to be completely excited about the president in that year. But what you can do is you can say, Mitt Romney is really awful and would be a terrible president. How can you help me make sure that you know he never becomes the president? Um, and it was really amazing to me that, that folks that weren't necessarily enthused about the campaign at the time, you could, you could get them on board with helping define Mitt Romney and, and see you as an ally, even if they didn't necessarily see the campaign as allies. And then when you have something like, uh, the 47% comment where there's video of Mitt Romney yes. saying that he's going to write off 47% of the nation, then those folks are on board and they're ready to help spread that message. And, and at that point, we were able to move so quickly that I, I don't think Romney, the campaign was even prepared for what was, was coming at him over the internet. And at a certain point, you can't control that, but you can try to ride that wave and, and curate the best of that content as much as possible.
0: And how much do you recommend that politicians take to the internet themselves? Obviously, we have a varying level of that with uh, politicians that post their to their own Twitter feeds, and then you have ones that are entirely never touched by a politician. What do you recommend in that, in the best practice?
1: Uh, I, I think it depends. Um, I would say if you are not accustomed to using technology, you probably want to have a staffer help you uh, hone your authentic voice online. Um, I've never had a situation where a candidate got Twitter happy, um, but I know it's happened with. Uh, it was actually the plot of Veep. Uh, nice. She got a hold of her own Twitter account. Um, but I think there are some politicians, particularly, and we're going to see more and more as you see, you know, politicians who are over, who are under forty, and they've grown up with social media, uh, so they have more of a familiarity with it. Right. Uh, if you're a, a Cory Booker type, I think absolutely trying to to find the best ways to engage on that network. And then even if you're great at that, I mean, Cory Booker and others who engage online themselves, they have people like me, they have digital and communication staffers who are helping them find the best ways to engage online. The other thing that's really important is the, you know, the, so what, so why are you doing this? So Hmm. if you're tweeting, what is your, your goal of tweeting? If you're posting on Facebook, what is your goal? Because it can start to be a little aimless uh, if you don't have a clear uh, set of a clear idea of who you're communicating to and what you want
0: to say and what you want them to do. And in terms of social networks, is there one that you found over the course of working with different politicians and and in the space in general uh, that works better than others for fundraising or for advocacy? What networks have you seen kind of perform the best?
1: Well, for fundraising, um, it's email. Uh, email. It's it's, it's always going to be email. I know it's not sexy or you know it's not Snapchat, but uh, email is the easiest way to. Get in someone's inbox, develop a relationship with them, and get them to trust you enough to, to invest in your campaign. Uh, I would say for reaching out to reporters and influentials, Twitter is still going to be the best way to go, both for politicians and their communication staff. By the way, I've seen some really effective communication staffers engage with reporters on Twitter in a great way. Mm. And then I would say for broad engagement, just because of the sheer volume, Facebook. Uh, Facebook pages are uh, great, and you can do you can post articles. There's video, there's photos, uh, and it's just a, the greatest opportunity to to to
0: reach the biggest audience. I think Facebook Live is going to be a really interesting opportunity uh, for politicians, especially. I was looking recently at I think uh, President Obama did one with BuzzFeed, and there's there's a lot of really strong opportunities with live i think in watching the the political landscape i think we'll see that a lot this election season
1: yeah and the facebook tool is really nice and unlike say meerkat or periscope the audience is just the broader audience is built in Um, it was interesting i feel like for a few months we were all obsessed with periscope and meerkat and my thought was like well how are we gonna you know how are we gonna reach penetration how are we gonna get anyone beyond reporters to watch it yeah and uh then facebook gave us their answer
0: Yep, they did. And that that happens quite a lot actually with them. I think that that they watch what, you know, what catches on and then they come in and build it and make it, you know, far far superior because they have the audience reach. It's mm-hmm. it's very interesting to watch. Is there anything that you ever tried digitally for a, um, either a candidate or you've seen, doesn't have to be something you've worked on that didn't work. Was there something, and, and I'm not talking about necessarily like a faux pas from somebody tweeting something they shouldn't, but was there ever an approach that you tried that, that was just not right or something you wouldn't recommend doing?
1: Oh, that's a good question. I feel like it's it's all networks that I got excited about that ended up not mattering at all. Um, I remember when, um, iTunes had their own social network ping, (laughs) right? Um, so it's, it's always something like ping or Google plus where it's like, Oh, we should get, we should get the candidate on. We should, we should get the client on. And then, you know, three months later, it's not even a thing.
0: I agree. I think, I think it's hard to know what's going to take, like, it's so fascinating now that you see candidates on Snapchat and you see the way the, um, the debates play out on Snapchat. It's so interesting. And it wasn't even a thing before. It's, it's like, it's really incredible when you watch that. And Snapchat
1: is fascinating to me because I am not sure if it is going to, over the long term, be more of a Twitter uh, for, you know, influentials or yep. if it is going to be more of a Facebook or, or something new entirely. Um, I love watching younger people on Facebook who, I mean, not Facebook, Snapchat, Who've grown up on social media, you know, their pictures yeah. have been online all their lives and their parents have been posting stuff with them, their grandmas on Facebook. And Snapchat is something that I, I would think the novelty of something that goes away yep. would have to have just such broad appeal to, to people of that age group.
0: Yeah. I interviewed a couple of teenagers, um, a while back and one of whom was my daughter, of course. And we we were talking and she just said, it's so freeing, you know, because it goes away. Like you don't have to think about it where Instagram is like, you worry about your image and your, you know, what something looks like and it's sort of manufactured, but, but Snapchat, because it goes away, there's so much less of a commitment to the image and it allows them, I think, to be more free. So I think it's going to be something new entirely, but you know, the jury's still out, but I think it's catching enough steam that it's really making an interesting play in terms of finding its own space. You have to, you have to make room for another network, you know. It's hard mm-hmm. because we only have so much room for networks. And speaking of networks, talk to me a little bit about your own personal usage. So obviously, you've been immersed in the internet. Your whole career it was through the internet, uh, looking at this. Tell me about when you get home, you're not working, you're not um, consulting, doing anything like that. Um, are you putting down the phone or are you immersed in the space still?
1: It really depends. Um, if there's a, a debate happening or something live happening, then I probably have my phone out while I'm watching TV. Um, just because I'm monitoring that stuff for, for clients anyway, but otherwise I, I try to, to be very vigilant about times when, when I am home and it's, you know, just me and my husband where we're offline. Right. Um, and that's, it's, it's important to carve out that space Uh, It's easier to do now that I'm a consultant when I was a campaign staffer, you know, during that time, you you have no uh, home life, there is no no going home. So now that I I have the ability to do it, I try very hard uh, to be offline. And the other thing is um, taking vacations where I'm mostly offline is very important to me.
0: Me too. It's important it's important to turn it off. Even though you know, you have to save the pictures for later because then they they are pretty Instagram worthy when you're on vacation and there you have this gorgeous sunset. So you're like I must share this, but that's so true. Give yourself it's, it's day to post that, pic. Right. You need that that's the the purest definition of a latergram. You need a latergram for that, not <laughs> not in the moment. I love it. I love it. Okay, so Melissa, where should people follow you if they want to connect with you?
1: Uh, the best is, uh, Twitter, uh, and I am Melissa Ryan on Twitter.
0: Oh, nice. Uh, you got Melissa Ryan. I did. That's, I, that's like hardcore right there because that is a con- you know, a common name relatively. Yeah.
1: I, I, I think I heard about Twitter when it was first coming out of South by Southwest and I grabbed my name as soon as I could
0: because I, I did not pressed. get my email.
1: So at Melissa Ryan.
0: Huh. Yeah.
1: That's uh, awesome. You can also follow me at Melissa Ryan on
0: Facebook. Melissa Ryan on Facebook, wonderful. I'm pretty impressed by your handles there. <laughs> that's, that's kind of awesome. All right, so everybody follow Melissa. Thank you so much for being on the show today. You are a terrific guest and a fabulous social lady. <laughs> Thank you so much, Carrie. You've been listening to All the Social Ladies with Carrie Curfin, CEO of Likable Media. You can follow Carrie on Twitter at Carrie Curfin. To get current social media insights and great tips, sign up for Carrie's weekly newsletter by emailing newsletter at likable.com. This podcast is brought to you by Likeable Media. Likeable Media produces and distributes content across the social web for mid to large size brands. Visit them at likable.com.